Good morning. Uh, I'm the director of international strategy for the university. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you about international strategy, except I will sneak in a bit as a part of an exercise. I do want to talk to you a little bit about um, project management, I suppose, is the, is the broadest sense of the term. A very unsexy concept, but what I really want to talk about within project management are simply um, some basic tools to help you um, and to help all of us structure thinking and plan and implement projects, right? Um, so before I came to Oxford, I was a project manager at, at McKinsey, the consulting company. And a few years ago, I moved to the UK, started working in the London office, and I showed up at a client uh, that was a pharma company on the first day to start off this project, and they said, so um, when did you get your Prince II project management certification? And I looked at them kind of dumbfounded. Not only did I not have Prince II project management certification, I didn't know what that was. Um, and I said something dumb like, uh, well, I've been a project manager for a couple of years. And they looked at me and, and kind of graciously said, oh, okay, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll be fine. But it was clear that uh, in their minds, project management meant a specific and technical set of tools. Um, my own view is that if you're building a new runway at Heathrow, an incredibly complex and well-defined project that stretches out for 18 months, those kinds of technical certifications are quite valuable. If you're thinking about an ambiguous problem and how to sort out the answer to that problem and how to work with people and motivate people to um, understand what you believe the answer to that problem to be and then to implement it, you don't need all the technical stuff. What you need are a few simple tools. Um, I'm going to suggest to you a few of them. There are lots of others that you can use. Um, and, uh, and then we'll have a chance to practice them over the course of the next, I'll try to keep this to 40 minutes or so. Okay, so I originally gave this presentation to a bunch of colleagues at the university because, um, to be honest, I, I, I didn't think that we did a very good job of managing projects. Ideas were introduced, projects were started, and then nobody knew what the issue that everyone was trying to address was. Nobody knew what the real nub of the answer was. Nobody knew what the plan was to actually implement the solution, how long it would take, and who was responsible for it. And so uh, I thought it'd be useful just to share some of this stuff. Uh, I think some of it may be useful to you as well, because you're also facing uh, big and ambiguous problems, and you need to prioritize your own time and that of your colleagues in order to get it done. Um, the first two things I'm going to talk about are essentially are problem-solving tools. That is, when you're trying to formulate the answer to a question, the issue tree and the prioritization matrix are two good ways to go about it. Once you have a sense of that answer, then uh, developing a work plan to implement it and summarizing it in something like a, a project summary to communicate it are quite useful. We'll spend more time on the first two of those. Okay. So this will be a, a pretty fast-paced and interactive session. As I mentioned, I'll spend a little while talking about issue trees and prioritization matrices. We'll do a little, uh, a little exercise in which I'll ask you to pair up with somebody next to you, and I'll have one half the room work on creating an issue tree, and the other half the room work on creating a prioritization matrix. We'll come back and share that stuff. Then uh, return to the latter two tools, work plans and project summaries, uh, if we have time, we'll do a breakout for that. I'll uh, play that one by ear, and then we'll reconvene uh, just at the end. Okay, an issue tree. 
what is the purpose of this? Well, this is where you begin. It's how you break up a complex problem into manageable chunks that you can actually get after solving. It's useful to start with the aim here. In this case, um, I used an example that we all can relate to, which is how you, um, how you reduce uh, road traffic in the center of a city. Um, and what, what the issue tree essentially does is take that big and ambiguous question that could have lots of different solutions and break it out into successively more specific layers of answer that allow you to do a couple of things at the same time. The first is to, um, to get a handle on the problem by taking that big ambiguous issue and, and turning it into something that's manageable. The second is that at each layer of the tree, the answers should be mutually exclusive and completely exhaustive. That is to say that they define the entire set of potential answers to the question. Let me say what I mean by that. In this case, if you're going to reduce road traffic in the center of a city, one way to think about it, there's two basic things to do. Either you make public transport more attractive or you make private transport that's causing the traffic less attractive. Now, we can quibble a little bit with whether these are, in fact, the only two approaches. And, it's, and what's not important is uh, it's not important to um, sort of get the last 2% of some answer that's sort of off the wall. What's important is to define it in such a way that it makes sense to you and gets the main parts of the issue on the, on the table. And then you break each of these things down. So to make public transport more attractive, you might make it more convenient or you might make it cheaper. To make private transport less attractive, you might make it less convenient or more expensive. And you go until the last layer of the tree is specific enough that you have a sense for how you'd actually go about doing that, increase frequency of buses or trains, but not so specific that um, the tree you know, has 14 layers and takes up more than a page. It's important that this thing fit onto a single page so that you can capture all of your thinking at once and move quickly between different layers of the tree as you're having conversations with people about what the answer might be. Okay, so let's say you've used the issue tree to spell out all the potential answers. The issue tree does not help you prioritize those in any way. It just gives you essentially a laundry list. Well, it's an improved laundry list because at least they're categorized and you can see the relationships between them. But in the end, it's still a laundry list and you don't know what to do with it. One way to get after the question of which uh, elements of that laundry list are, in fact, the best answer is to use something called a prioritization matrix. Very simple notion here, very intuitive. Essentially that... You care about two things, ultimately, with respect to any answer. The first is, is it, gonna, is it going to make a difference? How big is the impact of that potential solution? And the second is, am I going to be able to do it? And so you essentially take the elements of the, uh, of the issue tree, increased frequency of buses and trains, for instance, and you place it somewhere here based on how much it's going to make a difference and how easy it is to do. Okay, so clearly the things that you're most excited about are up here. They're big and they're relatively easy to do. Unfortunately, in most situations, if it's a difficult problem that you're trying to solve, there isn't a lot up there. But whatever does fall in that category um, is the stuff that you want to go after first. 
and I'll say more about how you might actually um, adduce some data in order to figure out how big and important something is and how easy it is to do. But once you place something here, you want to go for it. There are two other categories you don't want to ignore, though. The first are the things that are big and important but hard. And um, with those things, the, the watchword is plan and sequence them. Right? So don't just ignore them, and don't just defer them until tomorrow, but figure out which ones you can attack in which order. You need to get started on some of them. They probably have dependencies that you need to get started in order to realize the impact down the road, because in most cases, part of what makes them hard is that there's a long lead time, or you have to get a lot of stakeholders on board before you can actually pursue them. The second category that's also worth uh, going after are what you might call quick wins. These are things that are relatively easy, but don't make that big a difference. They're valuable because they can build momentum. Right? So you think about, you know, with a business that you're starting up, for instance, it can be quite a long time before you're profitable. It can be quite a long time before the product is exactly the way that you want it to be. If you can, um, if you can uh, find quick wins in areas where you can make a difference, albeit small, soon, Maybe it's not about profitability. Maybe it's about building the organization. Maybe it's about getting the systems in place that you need. Those are things that really can make a difference for people's morale while they're waiting for the big and important stuff to hit. The other thing that's, that's worth saying about this is that when you're working with others to hash out what the right answer is, a tool like this can be very helpful because it can structure the conversation in a way that forces you ultimately to, um, to be clear about whether you're saying that a particular, a particular suggested solution is in fact going to make a bigger difference or going to be easier. And everything needs to be reduced into one of those two categories. If you believe that ultimately uh, those are the things that matter, and in many cases, those are the things that matter. In other cases, it might be something like risk. Pick your, uh, uh, pick your axes wisely. Then you can make sure that the conversation doesn't wander off into territory that makes it very difficult for you to um, compare and actually come to common ground. Okay. So... How might you actually do that prioritization? Um, in terms of this, the size of impact and importance, it's very useful to get some data here wherever possible. Um, if you can't, in many cases, especially if you're starting a new business with a new idea, it might be difficult, for instance, to figure out what the revenue upside would be. If you can think about um, analogs for your product or if you can think about um, market sub-segments and then add up the potential revenues from those, then that's one way to get after the overall size of the impact, just as an example. In terms of the ease of implementation, this has a couple of different components that you might want to think about. Um, one, one is simply the likelihood. How risky is it? If you're, actually, if you're talking about funding, let's say, an R&D project, you need to, of course, assess how likely that is to produce the desired results. In other, in other cases, you may, know that, uh, you may know what the answer is, but it may be actually quite complex to implement it. There may be many stakeholders you need to involve and many dependencies, each of which has to go right. That makes the solution harder. Um, similarly, uh, I, I guess the, re the reverse of that would be if you have the power to make the change on your own, 
then um, it's relatively straightforward to go ahead and implement it. And then, of course, there's an issue of cost, uh, the resources in terms of time and money that it takes to implement something. All right. What I'd like to do, what I'd like to do is ask, um, you know, a couple of pairs on this side to just talk a little bit about creating an issue tree for this problem of how to double high-quality applications from overseas students for Oxford in the next three to five years, and ask one or two groups from this side to talk about the prioritization bit of it. Um, I want to. I'd like to hear, you know, both a little bit of the substance. And uh, to the extent that you have any thoughts on whether this is useful, applicable, whether you change any bits of it, that's also um, interesting to hear as well, because there are different ways that you can go about using these tools. Can I ask for any um, volunteers from this side just to give me a sense first of how you broke down the first layer of the tree, what the elements are that you put here, um, the the major ways that you might uh, increase applications? Please. Yeah, we. Yeah, we oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably better than mine. So. <laughs> um, we, um, we we tried to find two mutually exclusive ones, as you said, and we ended up with, put simply, make Oxford more attractive to overseas students, and make Oxford, uh, or make overseas universities less attractive. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious how you might go about the second branch of that one. That's true. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and can you go one level deeper on this top branch, how you might make Oxford more attractive? Because I'm going to assume that you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have a lot to say. You did. Okay. Well, that's be interesting to hear. We did get one. You did. Okay. Well, let's start here. What, would we do, what might we do to make... Oxford okay, so more attractive. Three, three I, and then in the interest of time, I'm going to cut off the substantive conversation, which is a very interesting one, which you know, I think we could continue for a while. But the point of this is, is to focus on the, the tool aspect. I, mean, I think one of the things that comes out from this is that we're quite quickly getting into a, a substantive discussion. We've got the, you know, many of the major ideas here. And relatively quickly, we, you know, we can see the landscape at... at one glance, and then start to argue in a relatively structured way about the advantages and disadvantages of each, which is one thing I like about this. I wonder if people have any, uh, just before we move on, any comments or thoughts about either of these two tools and ways that you might tweak it for your own purposes, because I recognize that in a startup environment, in some ways, it's quite a different thing than for a very established institution like a university or anything else that's thinking about, you know, a, a specific project to improve some existing process. It might be quite useful to work out what you don't know. Mm. So that if, if, if you don't know the answer, it's easy a question to go away and find out. Mm. And that would be, uh, so when you're thinking through this bit? Yeah, so if you're looking through the issue tree or something like that, you yeah. know that there's a relationship there, but you're not quite sure what the relationship is or what the need is. Right. That's a that's an excellent point. And in fact, I mean, when I was doing consulting projects, we would start on day one with something like this, relatively naively put together, without a lot of data, and then spend most of the project 
uh, doing exactly those analyses, asking ourselves what we didn't know, so that by the end of it, you can, pro you can populate something like this. And if you were to reduce the final report to a single page, it might look something like this. Essentially, here are our recommendations to you. And then there's a whole bunch of pages behind it that, that show the evidence for why face-to-face -face marketing is easy and important, for instance. Other in the back reflections? Uh, right, that's an entirely fair point. Scenario planning. If you're in a stable environment, then you would know what the range of solutions would be. But if you're in an unstable environment, um, rather than just throw up your hands and say, I don't know what the facts will be, it's, yeah, it would be quite useful to say, there are a couple of different worlds I can describe. And once I know which world I'm in, then I can use the issue tree and prioritization matrix that is appropriate for that, for that world. You're, you're, this is more project definition than project management. Would you mm. use this kind of downstream? We're in the middle of a project. We've got one of those bullet points that is our bit to implement, and then you sort of infinitely recurse it down to well, what are the, how we can help using these tools at that level. You might. If there's still ambiguity about the substance of what you ought to be doing. If there's still substantial ambiguity, then these two tools are useful. Once you pretty much know what you're trying to do, and it's a matter of persuading people to do it and setting in, forth, setting in motion the processes to get it done, then you leave this behind. I guess in, in, in the short answer, my short answer at least for it. Yeah. You mean well, I've been caught out people coming out with wacky things and then how do you get them off the flip charts or you know <laughs> <laughs> right. there's yeah, there's no substitute for real work and analysis, is there? <laughs> I mean that that's an important point. It's it's fine to just make this up, but if you're gonna believe it, then you need to ask yourself, what is it that would get me to believe that something is high impact or easy to do? And what's and you know, to your point, what data do I need to have in order to know the answer to that? That's absolutely crucial. I'm cognizant of time, and I want to get you guys off to coffee in a bit. So two things. I'm going to talk through the, the other tool, tools that, um, that I mentioned. We're going to skip the second breakout, and we'll finish up in five minutes. OK. So let's say you've done your issue tree. You've done your prioritization matrix. You know what you want to go after. Now you need a plan to do it. Uh, this is called a Gantt chart, but you, know, you don't really need a technical term for it. It's a pretty simple idea that all of us will have used uh, in some form. Essentially, what's the main stuff I need to do? So you know, what are the two or three or, or four things that are important at the highest level, and what are the sub-elements of that? How long will each of them take? And who's responsible for doing it? Um, you know, there, there is specialized software that lets you do this, but I, frankly, have never used it. I've always just done this in, uh, on a piece of paper or in Word or Excel. It works fine. What's useful about this is that, again, it lets you see at a glance the important stuff that you need to do. It lets you see visually the sequence that those things need to be done in so that you don't end up, you know, 
down here in July needing to start on this third work stream without having completed this first one where there's a dependency. That's what this arrow is meant to show. It makes it very clear who's responsible for it. So you can use this kind of plan each time you meet with your team and say, all right, how are we coming? You know, it's February. Are we where we should be? It's April. Are we where we should be? Who needs to be doing what? Um, and, and, um, and it also allows you to uh, include not only kind of the substantive work, but communications uh, milestones, if you will. So times when you need to, let's say, get out a key communication to the organization or have a meeting in order to agree on a, on a particular answer. The, the last um, kind of tool or template that I wanted to mention is the simple notion of a project summary. Um, if, you know, again, when you, when you know the answer and it's, and it's produced three or five or however many mini projects within it, it's quite useful to have a single page. And my view is it's really important to do this on a single page that says, here are the important things about the project. Four elements of this, fundamentally. The first is a brief description of what you're doing. This is the elevator pitch. If you're going to describe it in 30 seconds, what is the precise description of what it is that you're trying to do? The second is, um, what's the problem that I'm trying to solve and how big of a difference will this make to it? Right? So the issue to be addressed is the problem that I'm trying to solve. And critically, um, what is the significance of that problem today? So for instance, um, if the problem that I'm trying to solve is that I have um, inefficient IT systems, well, it's quite useful to try to quantify the impact of that problem for your organization helps you, A, convince people that it's important, if you believe it's important, and B, um, get clear in your own mind about the priority of going after this project versus something else that you might be doing because you'll all be, of course, very time poor. And then how much of a difference is it going to make? Again, you know, this is the reverse of it. How much, uh, what are the benefits what are, in terms of type of benefits and what are the magnitude of those benefits? The third overall thing that that this template has um, are the resources that are required both to, um, both to define the solution and to implement the solution. So here is where you would write down what the analyses are that you'd have to go and do in order to, um, let's say, go from a general uh, point of view about what the solution is to quite a specific point of view about, what, about the details of it. If you take your IT system um, example, for instance, uh, what analyses might I need to conduct in order to choose one IT solution versus another? I need to understand my needs. I need to understand the product offerings that are out there and so forth. And then, importantly, how much am I going to need in terms of resources for my own organization to actually implement this? Who am I going to need? How much of their time am I going to need to hire someone? How much will that cost? And then finally, the next steps. You can take this from the project plan. Um, what I would typically do is, you know, I'd have a project plan that I would keep over the course of implementing an entire project and then update these next steps so that, you know, each time I go to, let's say, uh, a management team meeting, I can come to them and say, all right, you know, here's the overall view of what we're trying to do and here specifically are the three things that we're going to do next. Because that project plan, unlike the rest of these things, you know, may stretch on um, for a number of pages if it's a long-term project that you're trying to implement. Okay, just a few, 
a few parting shots here, and then I'll, then I'll be quiet. Um, I think the one main thing I want to leave you with is that what's important is not the specifics of these tools. There's nothing magical about them, but it is important to structure your approach, to think in advance about, um, you know, what is it that I'm trying to improve? What are, what are my options for improving it, right? So this is the fundamental question that's at the beginning of your issue tree. What am I trying to improve? What are my options for improving it? How much of an impact will it have? That's the prioritization matrix. And then who will execute each step and by when? That's the work plan. Those, and that, you know, in, in very simple terms, the precision that these tools require you to, to strive for is the important bit. Not the tools, but the precision. It's useful to write this stuff down, but to, be, to not overdo it. If you find yourself with a you know, many pages long project plan, with an issue tree that stretches out where you unfold it like a, you know, the, the magazine centerfold, then that's too big because nobody can actually wrap their mind around, around that at one go. And then finally, it's quite helpful uh, up front to think about how you're going to track your progress, especially when you get toward the implementation side um, and also during the ana- analytic uh, side, uh, component of the work. How do I know how well I'm doing? And um, then, in fact, to actually measure that information, it's easy to say in advance, here's how I'll know, but actually to have the discipline to measure it is useful. But the final thing I suppose to say, and, and, and this is the last thing I'll mention, is that um, whatever the importance of these tools are, ultimately the team and the communication and interaction between the team matters more than any of this. So um, you know, getting the right people in place and finding an approach that's agreed upon and works for you to get something done is really, is really, really critical. Um, and no, you know, no amount of working with tools and focusing on that will replace um, or, or allow you to succeed when you have poor communication or the wrong people. However, if you have the right people and even the right communication, if you don't use structured thinking and, some, and tools like these or something similar, then you may still um, fall down and not end up where you, where you need to. I'll stop there and I guess let you decide whether you want to have any conversation now or just go off to coffee. <laughs>